So, let's start out with an uh, inspiring quote by Tozer. How about that? Does that sound good? Ready? It is a rare church whose members all put their shoulder to the wheel. The typical church is composed of a few whose shoulders are bruised by their faithful labors and the many who are unwilling to raise a blister in the service of God and their fellow men. Isn't that inspiring? You think? That's good news, right? But it's something to think about, right? It's something to think about. And last week, what did we see? We see that we're all members of a royal priesthood. It's a priesthood, right? That means that it's not an individual priest. It's a membership of a priesthood that comes together in one common goal in the kingdom of God. And we all have a part to play. You have a part to play. Do not think that you are insignificant in the kingdom of God. Every single one of us has a part to play. Not one believer is left out when it comes to the Holy Spirit and His gifts and His callings and the grace that He's put on us. And we all have these benefits that are afforded to us, but we also carry the responsibilities of being a priest in the kingdom of God. Male, female, young, old, you are all, we are all members one together in the body of Christ, right? No longer, no longer is it just the prophet, the king, and the priest that has the anointing of Holy Spirit on them. Right? We, it, it, that's how it was taught in the Old Testament, but we live in a new covenant, a new testament, and Hebrews says that it's a better covenant. I, I just I think it's so strange that we have so many Christians that have this better covenant and they want to go back and talk about the old covenant. The old covenant has passed away. It is gone. Right? Even the covenant with Abraham has been fulfilled. Right? Amen. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Jesus has knitted, has brought the entire world under one blessing. His blessing. Amen? And so, we have this ability as believers to have God's Spirit dwelling within us as temples of the Holy Spirit and to be empowered by God to do His works. And this is good news. This is very good news. Amen. In 1 Peter, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied graces, or many graces. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that everything, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in these two verses right here, Peter tells us that every believer is called to do something for the kingdom of God. Every single one of us that are here today, everyone that hears 
my voice through the live stream or the podcast need to understand that each one of us, all of us, are called to do something for the kingdom of God. And Peter tells us that believers have received a grace gift. You have a gift from God by His grace. And an empowering gift. And an empowering grace. And, and, and he lists them in two general categories here. Or the two categories. Speaking and serving. Right? Under these two categories, then it dwindles down to many different types of gifting. And we're going to see that in just a little bit. But uh, both of these gift categories are not talking about our natural ability. Because most of us can talk, right? Most of us can speak. And all of us can serve in some, some form or fashion. He's talking about a grace gift. He's talking about speaking and serving by being empowered by the grace of God in your life. This is radically different. We are, and we are all equal priests in God, but we got to understand that we're, as in our equality, we're equipped to minister in different ways and in different capacities. We're, we're equal, but we're different. Right? See, this is something our world can't grasp right now. Men and women are equal, but we're different. They're trying to make us the same. How's that working out? No, we're different. And we need to celebrate the differences that each one of us have. Not only in marriage and in society, but in the church. Every single member of the body of Christ has received a type of grace-based gift from God with the accompanying responsibility to use it. You have to be a good steward of what God has given you. Let's look at how now how Paul amplifies these same categories that Peter gives us here. He shares, he takes these two categories of speaking and serving and he amplifies it. And, uh, and all these gifts come together in the body of Christ as one member. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. See that? We're, we're all members in the body of Christ, but we don't, always, we don't all do the same. We're not clones. We don't, we don't, there's, there's beautiful mosaic in the, in the body of Christ that makes, that makes up the, the picture of the, of the body, of the kingdom, of the church. Right? And he says, he says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Just like your body is made up of different organs, it's made up of different, you know, your fingers aren't the same as your toes, right? Your ears aren't the same as your eyes. It's made up of all these different members, but it makes one body. So is the church. And having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, you're not going to be the same as everybody else. Whew, right? Have you ever thought, I'm different? Yeah, you are. Praise God. God made you that way. That isn't, just because you're different from other, other people in your gifting and, 
and your calling and the things that God has done in your life, even your personality, all these, all these things. I mean, we all, it all has to be brought under the, under the, the, uh, under the, the, uh, the image of Jesus. Right? We need to be transformed into the image of Christ. But we're all different. We have different personalities. We have different giftings. All of these things. And so you can rest assured that if you sat here and said, well, I'm not like so-and-so, that's okay. God's fine with that. He made you the way that you are. And we have these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Here's the key. God has given you the grace. He has given you a gift. I mean, some of you, it, it would be tough for you to say that I am a gift to the body of Christ. You are a gift to the body of Christ. You are a gift to the body of Christ. And if you are using your gift, the body of Christ is lacking. It's hindered. It's not all that God would have it to be. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts of, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Notice that Paul did not say, not all, member, all the members have a function. He did not say that not all the members have a function. Rather, he says, all members do not have the same function. The same function. And we need to understand this. The distinction of these two things. Because if Paul taught that, taught that all the members of the body of Christ do not have a function, I would need to get up here and tell you that many of you, many of you believers, have no use, you have no function, you have no purpose in the body of Christ. Thank God I don't have to tell you that because you get mad at me. Right? Instead, he says, there would there, that that uh, we all individuals members make up the body of Christ, and this is our greatest blessing to one another. We all have a function; we just don't have the same function. Amen. The truth is, the person who lives for themselves is a failure. The person who lives for themselves is a failure. Even if we gain great wealth, even if we get positions, even if we, if we have fortune, you are still a failure. The person who lives for others is the one who has achieved true success. Living for others is, is the highest calling of humanity. It's the highest calling of humanity, and it's, it's amplified in the life of Jesus. Listen, listen, the person that uses their power, their gifts, their wealth for the good of humanity is success. Listen how Romans chapter um, 12, verse 6 puts, uh, puts it in the, in the New Living Translation. In His grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. In the grace of God, God has given you certain gifts to do things very well for His kingdom. Now let's look at the, those gifts. 
those who speak. Remember Peter talked about those two categories, speaking and serving. Paul mentioned three specific types of speaking. He mentioned prophecy, he mentioned teaching, and he mentioned exhortation. Right? So now we're going to look at each of those individually. Prophecy. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Unfortunately, when we hear the word prophecy mentioned, we think of foretelling the future. We think of foretelling the future. And sometimes there is that element in it. But in the New Testament, prophecy is somewhat different. Listen to how Paul explained it to the Corinthians. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. When Peter quoted Joel on the day of Pentecost, he made it very clear that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would result in God's children, both men and women, young and old, speaking by divine inspiration. This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out My Spirit on everybody. I'll cause your sons, your daughters to prophesy. The Holy Spirit will come upon My servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. This does not mean that every believer is called to be a prophet. Like in the fivefold ministry, an office of a prophet. But it does mean that all believers can prophesy. Which is simply that the Holy Spirit can and does inspire believers to speak words that strengthen and encourage others. Amen? I mean, we've all experienced this, and, and uh, not to give them a big head, but how many of you have ever been encouraged by Tim Willis? I would say majority of us in here have been encouraged by Tim Willis. He, he simply goes around being inspired by Holy Spirit to give you a word of encouragement, of strength, and of edification. God wants us all to do that. God wants us all to operate in the simple gift of prophecy. To encourage others. Now, this doesn't mean that our statements need to be religious sounding, right? Or it doesn't need to be peppered with, thus says the Lord. Right? We, see, we, when we do that, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give weight through the flesh to what God is saying. We're trying to prove that this is God. Let the words, let God, let the gift, let grace do the heavy lifting. You don't have to prove yourself. You just need to be obedient. Understand that? And many times, people think that they've got to sound like somebody that they've heard prophesied before. You've got to say it real loud or mean or like real intense. No, don't copy other people. Be yourself. Let God work through you. There's many of you that have operated in the gift of prophecy and you just you, you, you didn't even realize that God was using you that way. 
but you were obedient. Something just rose up in you and you, and you shared with, with somebody else a word of encouragement. That I, 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 that I just feel like God's saying this and, and He wants you to know how much He loves you and how much He's for you. Just simple things like that. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand, you might think that you are nobody, but Christ in you is awesome. And your words, when they're inspired by Holy Spirit, carry the power and the weight of Christ speaking. Hmm. Prophecy is relating rationally with others in your normal tone of voice. And you're simply inspired by Holy Spirit to speak kind, encouraging, uplifting words that bring a fresh air of God's presence into another's life or perhaps an entire group. Prophecy does, does not imply that you're trying to predict the future or discern uh, mysteries or secrets in people's lives. You simply are sharing God's anointed, Spirit-breathed words with another person or a group. Right? So this, these are gifts that God has given us. Teaching. If you are a teacher, teach well. When minds are open and hearts are eager to learn, teaching is one of the most powerful tools, gifts, and functions in the body of Christ. Think about how Jesus and Paul operated in the areas of teaching. Luke recorded that when the Lord walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, it says that in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets Explain from all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. I would have loved to be Ben on that walk. I would have loved to have been on that walk. But even as I say that, I think to myself, I have the Word of God. I have Jesus with me. I can take that journey anytime I want. And we all can. Later, those two disciples said to one another, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as He talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? Teaching it should be life-giving. It should, it, should, it should energize. It should empower. It should be liberating. It should just fill us with, with life. And when Paul met the Jews in Rome, Luke wrote that Paul explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the Scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Acts 28-23. So you think that I'm long-winded. You know, Paul preached or taught one night so long that a man fell asleep and fell out the window. And he went down and raised him from the dead. Came back up. And kept teaching. Teaching does not always have to be done by a professional clergy or a pastor. And not everyone is graced to teach or the body of Christ at, at large. We might, you know, there, see, there's different aspects of this. We all are, make up different parts in the body of Christ. So often when you think, well, to be a teacher, I've got to be a professor at a Bible college, or I got to be a pastor, or 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 
something along, along those lines. No, each of us can teach according to the gifting that God has given us. And one thing that I've noticed is that if you're faithful with the gifting that God has given you, you grow in that gift. As you exercise the gift, you grow in, the, in that gift. I mean, how many of you? I, I am so thankful for the Sunday school teachers in my life. I'm so thankful for the home group teachers and leaders that I, I've had in my life. Those that have in, have in my journey with Jesus has, has imparted to me teachings of God's Word that have, have changed my life and I carry with me today. And then there are those that do an excellent job at teaching one-on-one situations. One-on-one situations. They don't feel comfortable with large crowds. A person does not have to have a public platform to convey eternal truths and transform another person's life. Think about this. Remember Priscilla and Aquila? Priscilla and Aquila, they heard Apollos preaching in Ephesus, and they recognized the limitations of his knowledge in a, in a in like a parental um, fashion. They took him aside, and they explained the way of God more accurately. You can find that in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. The Apollos had the gift of, of teaching and preaching. He just didn't have all the knowledge that he needed. And there was someone that came alongside him and showed him a more complete, a more excellent way of, the, of preaching the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching can be brief. It can be extended. It can be simple. It can be in-depth. It can be private. It can be public. It can be one-on-one. Or it can be in front of great crowds. It can be informal or very formal, right? Don't pigeon your hold, pigeonhole yourself thinking, I, I, I like to share the, the Word of God with people, but I have no platform. I have no, I have no way or method to do that. Yes, you do. Get one on, start with one-on-one. Let it grow into a Bible study or a small group. We all have the ability... And the gifting that God has given us, we just have to step out and use it. Exhortation. If your gifts are to encourage others, be encouraging. The way that I kind of look at this is you have teaching and you have preaching. Preaching is more of um, exhortation. Where teaching is more logical and instructional Exhortation is more of an appeal. It's something more of motivating people to do something. To take what they've learned or been taught and do something with it. Taking people that are disengaged and causing them to be engaged. Beyond informing teaching, exhortation is often urged for for another person to do something and encourage them to move forward in the things that God is calling them to. Exhorters are often considered to be strong motivators who light a fire under people and stir people to action. A lot of times, these are the type A personality people. Because these different 
Verbal gifts often have similarities. We sometimes see an overlap in all of these, right? When Paul mentions them in Scripture, it might, it might be helpful to think of prophecy, teaching, and exhortation as three petals on one, one flower. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Flower. A lot of times, when you have a, a gift of speaking, teaching, exhortation, and prophecy will just flow together with, within that. These exp uh, uh, exp expressions are complementary and they work together. They're not contradictory. right? So remember this was not written to pastors. The Bible wasn't written to pastors. It was written to believers. It, was written to, it wasn't written to preachers. It was written to Christians. It was written to believers in general, right? Believers were told to exhort one another. Believers were taught, told, in Hebrews it tells us that by now you should be teaching others, but unfortunately you still need someone to teach you. Right? As God graces us, we can and should exhort, admonish, urge, encourage, motivate, appeal, Light a fire under other people on a regular basis, right? Then you have those that serve. Those that serve. Paul mentions four other expressions of grace. Ministry or serving, giving, leading, and mercy. Now we're going to look at those individually. Ministry. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. See, over, the, over many years, the word minister, and especially in Western culture, has taken the idea of a professional clergy. He's a minister, right? But the truth is, is that we're all called to be ministers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all called to minister. And understand, every spiritual work is a ministry. Every spiritual work, everything you do for God, His kingdom, and His people is an act of service. It's an act of ministry. Not every one of us is called to be a preacher, but every member of the body of Christ is called to be a servant, is called to be a minister. Now, the root word of, of, that's translated minister, um, it refers to a position within the church called deaconing. Um, it could refer to any, but it could refer to any type of serving in the Lord's work. And these act, um, these act, activities could fall under the description that are almost limitless in the body of Christ. Every single need that we have within this world and within the church and within the body falls under this servant, this ministry title. Jesus is our supreme example of this. He not only demonstrated a servant's heart by washing the feet of the disciples and going to the cross for all of us, but He communicated heaven's value system as well when He said this. Listen to this. Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, like tyrants. Think about this. What kind of world, what kind of government does God intend us to have? He says that the world system is to rule like a tyrant, rule like a king, 
Rule like oppressively. But that's not your calling. The kingdom does not look like this. The kingdom does not look like this. Unfortunately, some churches look like more like a world system than they look like a kingdom system. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest among you will live as one who is called to serve others. Remember what I was saying about the person that doesn't serve others, only lives for themselves as a complete failure? Jesus says the same thing right here. That if your life is not in service to other people, you are failing as a human being. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to serve, but to serve and give His life in exchange for the salvation of many. So Jesus basically tells us here that any of us can be great. Any of us can be great because any of us can serve. Giving. If your gift is giving, give generously. And what, So what, right now you're thinking, aren't all believers supposed to be giving people? Yes, that's correct. All children of God are called to be generous. But Paul says that there are some people that God graces, He gives them a gift of generosity. You know what's great about this gift of generosity? Is you have to have something to give to operate in it. Right? Amen? Right? You've got to have something to, to, to be able to give if you're going to operate in the gift of generosity. Right? This is a spiritual gift. This is a grace gift. This is something that has special grace enabling them to give just like someone would have an anointing, a grace on them to teach or preach. Think about that. And I could, you're wondering, man, I would like to have that gift. Well, if you're not generous with what you have now, I doubt you're going to be, God's going to give you that anointing, that, that grace on your life so that you can give more of nothing. So, anyways, here's an example of this. Does anybody know the Green family? No? How about this? Have you, has, anybody, has anybody ever heard of Hobby Lobby? Yes. Right? I'm sure most of your homes are decorated with something from Hobby Lobby. The Green family are the founders of Hobby Lobby. It's a corporation that was, is based out of Oklahoma City. And today, Hobby Lobby is the largest privately owned arts and crafts retailer in the world with locations in 47 states and employing more than 40,000 people. That's amazing. But did you know that it all began in 1970 when David and Barbara Green took out a $600 loan and began making miniature picture frames in their garage of their home? That's how Hobby Lobby started. David Green was raised in a Pentecostal home and all of his siblings were in full-time ministry. He always felt like he didn't measure up. 
that he was a disappointment to his family because he was not a minister within the kingdom of God. And because he was in the business world. He was in the business world. And he was got the impression from the church that you can't serve God and be in the business world. Green said, I've been taught that people with callings became preachers and missionaries. There was no category in our theology for people who were called to the secular pursuits, like business. Now though, I realize that a man can be called to business as any preacher has ever been called to any ministry. Greens were givers. Listen to David Green's view of his destiny. He says, We are put on earth to give, to devote ourselves to radical, a radical brand of generosity that changes lives and leaves a legacy. He says, To paraphrase God's words to the patriarch Abraham, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Since I have been exceptionally blessed in my life, I have determined to give exceptionally as well. God has taught me that with great wealth and power comes great obligation to the next generation. He says, if we don't use Hobby Lobby's earnings to touch people for the Lord, I really don't see the reason for me to be in business at all. Today, hundreds of millions of dollars are being funneled into the work of the kingdom of God and advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hobby Lobby devotes half of its earnings, its company's earnings, to the kingdom of God, giving into the kingdom of God, and the other half they use to expand the company. The kingdom financing mentality, this kingdom financing mentality, I mean, this is just amazing. It, it reminds me of two expressions of extravagant giving that we find in Scripture. There was a group of women who helped underwrite much of what Jesus did in His ministry. Luke wrote that some women Jesus had ministered to, who sometimes traveled with Him in the twelve, he says this in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, he says, he stated that these women and many others were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and the disciples. Also, in the, in the early days in the church of Jerusalem, we read that there was no person in need among them because those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles to give those who were in need. Thank God for people who give joyfully, sacrificially, because of the love for the Lord and His work. Right? That's a gift. That's a gift that Paul outlines in Romans. Leading. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Hmm. Think about that. If God has given you the gift to lead, take the job seriously. There's lots of people that like the idea of being a leader. They like the idea of the title. They like the idea of the somewhat prestige that might come with it. But they really don't take the position seriously. 
Leaders often have influence through prophecy, teaching, and exhortation, but they also, but they also demonstrate their leadership through other avenues, ex- uh, including their example, their foresight and vision, and being, being moved or graced with strong faith to believe that something can happen. Those who exercise leadership often have a sense of God's plan and direction. And they influence others according to that plan and direction. Leaders usually have a strong sense of what could be. What could be. That what we experience and what we see does not have to be. But through the power of God, through the Word of God, and through the, and through the grace of God, greater things could be. And then they encourage others to come around that idea and channel their efforts and just bring people along on their journey towards such destinations. Leaders are often big picture people. They don't necessarily do well with all the details and how to make things happen. You understand? Because what happens is God then usually graces other leaders that are more have a manager, managerial bent to them. They're detail-oriented individuals. And they come along and assist visionaries. Likewise, he off, God joins these together and they operate together. And, and, and they operate the visionary with the task-oriented people. And the, and the key is, is that people with different strengths can learn to respect each other's gifts and callings, it makes just an absolutely powerful team. It makes a powerful team. To be, I am that I am by the grace of God. Not, I need to be like you by the grace of God. To be who you're called to be. Just to, just to be comfortable in your own skin. Be comfortable in your own calling. Be comfortable in, the, in who God has made you to be. Not all leaders have to be senior leader. They don't have to have a senior leader position. Some leaders operate like the Roman centurion. Remember what the Roman centurion told Jesus? He says, I am under authority. So he's not the senior leader. He's not the top dog. He's under the authority of his superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. So leadership is not, you don't have to be the number one in charge, but there there are people that can be you can be under someone and following a vision and have people under you and leadership flows down. Right? And then mercy. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In a world that's filled with heartache, in a world that's filled with pain, in a world that's filled with people. That are, are 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 depressed and and don't have hope. The need for those that are powerfully moved by God's mercy and compassion is great. It's important that we declare God's word because people need the truth. But it's also important that we demonstrate God's mercy because people have have desperately need a sense of God's love flowing towards them through us. Now I'm sure 
Now, I'm not sure how often Jesus is impressed with the preaching that's done in His name. But I am sure of one thing, that Jesus is very impressed with any acts of compassion, love, and mercy that's done in His name. We may think of things as big, that things have to be big in God's kingdom. But remember what Jesus said. Jesus says, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of His followers, you will surely be rewarded. Man, we need to take the, the words of Jesus seriously. There, there, are, there are people in the kingdom of God that feel like they're not measuring up, that they're not good enough, that, because they're, they're not, they don't have something that's seen in front of everybody. But, but Jesus here says that you will be rewarded for simply giving someone a cup of cold water in His name. If they know that you're doing it in the name, in, for the kingdom in the name of Jesus and through the love of God. These are the gifts that God has given the body of Christ. These are the gifts that each one of us has received. You have received it. You've been given these gifts. Now you got to use them. You got to put them to action. You got to step out of the boat. Remember what we said God put something in you so that He can get something out of you. Freely you have received, now freely give. You know, worship is about over. I said this before. But our service is just beginning. We're about to walk out these doors and drive out of this parking lot. That's when we're entering the mission field. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.